Exodus chapter 14, if you're there, say amen. amen. A very familiar passage of scripture. 14 and 21, and Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And the Lord, somebody say the Lord. Bible said the Lord caused the sea to go back. The Lord did it. But he did it by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea dry land. And the waters were divided. That's interesting. We'll talk about that. The waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon dry ground. And the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left hand. And the Egyptians pursued because they always will. I said because they always will. When you're trying to walk away from your past, you can guarantee that your past will pursue you. They went after them. In the midst of the sea. Somebody say in the middle of deliverance. They went after them. Even all of Pharaoh's horses. His chariots. And his horsemen. And it came to pass that in the morning watch. The Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians. Through the pillar of fire and of cloud. And he troubled the host of the Egyptians and he took off (laughs) he took off their chariot wheels that they drave them heavily so that the Egyptians said let us flee from the face of Israel I wish somebody would read this line with me right here for the Lord fighteth for them Against the Egyptians. The Lord is fighting for them. The Lord is fighting for them. Turn to your neighbor tonight and tell him the Lord is fighting for you. Oh, what blessed relief to know the battle is not mine but the Lord's. The battle is not yours tonight. It's the Lord's. And the Lord is fighting for them. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch your hand out over the sea, that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. Moses stretched his hand, and the sea returned to its strength when the morning appeared. And the Egyptians fled against it. And the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned that covered the chariots and the horsemen. And all the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. There remaineth not so much as one of them. Because when God does it, he does it right. Amen. Amen. But the children of Israel walked on dry land in the midst of the sea. And the waters were a wall on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord, who did it? The Lord Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. 
And Israel saw the great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Could we pray tonight? Thank you, Lord, for the power of your precious word. It's alive. It is so quick. It's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. I pray tonight, Lord, that your word would go forth and that you would speak to hearts and lives, that you would challenge us by the power of the Holy Ghost in this place tonight. In the mighty name of Jesus, let the church say amen. Praise God. Would you set your Bibles down and clap them to the Lord? Give him great praise tonight. There is none like him. There is none like him. Praise God. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Find somebody close to you tonight, and I want you to tell them this for pastor, if you would. I want you to tell them, God always has a plan. God always has a plan. Thank the Lord. Now, I've got to be very careful when I start preaching this story. Because I can be trying to preach the Red Sea experience and get stuck back in Egypt. Because there's so much good stuff to preach in this story. But I was intrigued um, in a recent study session, I was doing some research and studying. You know, the word never gets old to me, ever. It don't matter how many times I've read the story. I mean, I know what happens. They leave Egypt. They come to the Red Sea. Egypt's pushing them. The water parts, they walk through. Like, I mean, I know the story, but it never gets old. Because that's the power of a testimony. That's how this thing works. Well, I don't need to tell anybody. They, they know. Yeah, but do you realize how powerful it is when we stand and testify and we openly declare before all the mockers and the scoffers and the enemies, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side. Aren't you thankful for the redeeming power of the name of Jesus tonight? That if it wasn't for the Lord, we'd still be stuck in Egypt. But thank God he picked us up. Thank God he brought us out. Thank the Lord for the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony. Thank the Lord. You may not be what you want to be, but thank God you're not what you used to be. You may not be where you want to be, but thank God you're not still living where you used to. Thank the Lord. And I came across uh, this study that had been done. I found it very interesting. In September of 2010, sensational scientific discovery was reported by the BBC, Reuters, and several other news agencies. The U.S. National Center for Atmospheric Research and the University of Colorado researchers used a computer simulation to demonstrate how the division of the Red Sea may have happened. They wanted to research scientifically how it may have been possible for it to happen. 
Now, if you've ever seen anything like this with advanced modeling, it's, it's pretty intriguing. But with the help of advanced modeling, they showed how that a strong east wind blowing overnight literally could have pushed back the water at a bend where an ancient river merged in uh, it merged with the coastal lagoon. It was this one section coming around the bend that if the wind was blowing out of the east, that it literally could have just blown that right back and have made it work. This would have guided the water into two separate waterways, which would have created a land bridge at the bend for the people to walk across the exposed, and I quote, mud flats. When the wind subsided, certainly the water would have rushed right back in. The leader of the project noted that the simulations they did very closely matched the account that was described in the book of Exodus. Now I'm going to tell you what I like about this. There's some things I don't like about it, but I'm going to tell you what I like about this. I love the fact that no matter what else science, research, universities, no matter what they do, they always prove he's right. They've been trying for a long time to prove some way, somehow, it may be possible, but, but we're, we're still not there. Let me tell you right now, folks, this is the greatest newspaper you'll ever read in your life right here. Because every chapter, every verse, every line, line upon line, precept upon precept, it's all right and it's all true. And I want to tell you tonight that if the word of the Lord said that they walked out of Egypt and that the hand of the Lord came in and moved that water back with a strong east wind, run all the computer models you want, but I can guarantee you that night that the Lord caused a strong east wind and blew that water back. That's what happened. Well, you people are just small-minded. You guys are just so close-minded. There's nothing else in the world. You know what? I love it because we're letting the world come to us. When we take the message and they mock and they scoff and, and uh, you know, all these scientists get together and you've heard me talk about one of the discoveries uh, that they did on... Uh, now I can't remember, don't quote me on it, if, if it was a travel channel or discovery channel, it was one of those television channels that had done their research. And they said they figured out how it actually happened was that there was a, a recession in the water, it had receded back and there was a, a particular strange low tide and that the way that it really happened was that the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea in four inches of water. And, you know, I disagree with them. But it's okay because they're really making themselves look silly. Because I don't mind walking the road with you that they went across. Now, the Bible said it was dry land, but let's just take the road that they went across in four inches of water. I want to talk to you now about how the Lord drowned Pharaoh, his army, the horse, the chariot, the rider in four inches of water. How did he do it? 
Hey, here's what I've come to tell you, Discovery. Keep on discovering, and you're going to find out this old book's always right. I want to tell you tonight, keep on researching, and you're going to find out there is no limit to the goodness of God. There is no limit to the power of God. There's no way to measure the goodness of God. Woo, I feel him on me tonight. If it's in his word, it's true. Everybody doing good tonight? Woo! I was so glad to read that the simulations closely matched the account in the Exodus. It would have broke their necks if they would have had to say it matched exactly. But we're going to take what we can get tonight and it matched closely. It was just closely enough that a man by the name of Colin Humphreys, who is a physicist from Cambridge University, explained in his book called The Miracles of Exodus that there is a such thing as a wind tide, it is called. And Mr. Humphrey said that wind tides, which are well known to oceanographers, can cause significant differences in water elevation. He gives the example of a strong wind that's blowing along Lake Erie resulting in a 16-foot difference in water level between Toledo, Ohio and Buffalo, New York. Also, you'll find historically references to Napoleon almost being killed, they say, by a, quote, sudden high tide while crossing shallow water near the Gulf of Suez. So there is a precedent is my point scientifically that there is such thing as a sudden high tide there is a precedent that winds can shift just right and can make things happen but i just want to i want to break some things i want to break some things down tonight this key passage that that we read this evening in exodus 14 specifically 21 and 22 describes how that Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and through a strong east wind the sea was turned into dry land for them to walk through and the Bible said that there was a wall of water on their right and there was a wall of water on their left did y'all read that tonight now Stay with me. I don't want to make you snore in Greek and dream in Hebrew, but I want you to stay with me right here. There's two ways of interpreting this story, this passage, in my opinion. The first suggests that there was a supernatural suspension of natural laws. Are you with me? The first way of interpreting this is that out of the clear blue, the wind just ha happened to blow, but the natural laws of water ceased to exist momentarily. That it just so happened that this wall was formed. And it, it just so happened that it was just wide enough for all the children of Israel to get through, and it just so happened that in the suspension of the natural laws, that it just so happened 
as the children of Israel exit the water and the Egyptians come into the water that then nature decided to respond. The second interpretation is that while the event was certainly miraculous, it was not a suspension of natural laws. Instead, the computer simulation demonstrates how the exposure of dry land in the Red Sea was a natural outcome of the strong east wind. In other words, the simulation proved that with a wind blowing that strong, it had to happen that way. But let me tell you where this thing gets miraculous. Lord, help me keep it together right now. Let me tell you what makes this thing so powerful. It's not that the wind blew and the land had to show. I'm going to tell you what makes it so miraculous. Is that the wind blew right then and right there. Oh, God help me. At just the right time when God's people got to the edge of the water and they didn't know what else to do. They were trapped. They were unable to move forward and their enemy was behind them. What's miraculous about this is that right then and right there when they needed God, God showed up. I'm here to preach to somebody in here tonight that's wondering if he's ever going to show up. I'm here on this Wednesday night to talk to somebody that's trying to figure out when he's going to do it. Can I preach to you tonight? He is still an on-time God. He is still an on-time God. He may not come when you want him. But he'll be there right on time. Woo! He don't just show up when he wants to. He shows up when you need him to. Woo! I know. This science is going to agree with a lot of this. They had to. Their modeling said it had to happen this way. But do you understand the power of what I'm telling you right now is so unfathomable to me that the Lord keeps his eye on his people so strongly and so acute and so attentive that he did not just bring them out. Now, this is going to surprise some of y'all. But he did not just bring them out of Egypt to show them he could bring them out. Ooh, I'm fixing to preach to somebody in here right now. He does not just bring us out so that he can say he brought us out. But I've come to tell you that the same God that brings you out is the same God that will bring you through. I don't know who I've come to encourage on Wednesday night, but I feel like telling you in the Holy Ghost, he did not bring you this far to leave you. He did not bring you this far to forsake you, but the hand of the Lord is with you. Now, stay with me for just a few minutes tonight. I promise I won't keep you long. But I was reading in some commentary. The commentary came from the Bereshit Rabbat, just some Talmudic era Jewish commentary. 
on the book of Genesis. And according to this ancient Jewish commentary, it's indicated, listen to this, this was amazing to me. This is amazing faith in God. It is indicated in this Talmudic writing that they believed, personally, they believed that the division of the Red Sea, and I quote, was as it were programmed in creation. Stay with me now. They said that it was less a suspension of nature, and I quote, it was less a suspension of nature than an event written into nature from the beginning to be triggered at the appropriate moment in the unfolding of history. In other words, it is the mindset of these commentators that God did not wait until the children of Israel got to the Red Sea to have a plan. God did not wait till they got to the trouble to say, let me see what I can do. But they said, we believe it was recorded in the power of creation that God had made a way. Let me break this down Gerber style and preach to you tonight. I've come to tell you that before you ever get there, he's already made a way. That before you ever get to the trouble, he's already made a way. I'm here to preach to you tonight. You are not an afterthought of God. You are not a second thought of God. You are on the mind of God, and God's got a plan. He's got a plan. Woo! Somebody shout, woo! God always has a plan. Well, I just think, I, I just think it's all coincidental. You know, I'm not saying this tonight to be ugly in any way, but I made up my mind a long time ago that it takes more faith to be an atheist than it does to be an apostolic. It really does. I was reading, I believe it was yesterday, I can't remember now. It was either yesterday or, or this morning. I was reading how they believed creation happened. You need to go read that for first first-hand account for yourself sometime. It's really amazing to me that we can muster up the faith to believe that two rocks here we are. You know what I choose to believe? Can I say what I choose to believe? In the beginning. God, cre God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness, God I feel my help in here right now. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. But the spirit of God moved do you know what that word spirit is right there in Genesis 1? So you know what that word spirit is? It's the word ruach in the Hebrew. Ruach. Everybody say ruach. ruach. Clear your throat. Ruach. Do you know what the wind that blew out of the east was called? The ruach. 
the breath of God, the wind of God, the favor of God. You know what I've come to believe in serving the Lord? It's easier. I don't care what else you've tried. It's easier to just take God at his word. It's easier to just trust the Lord. If he said it, he's going to do it. If he wrote it down, he took care of it. I want somebody to know here tonight, you are not an afterthought. You are fearfully and you are wonderfully made. God has had his hand on your life. You may think you're at FPC because you got invited. But I want to tell you tonight, you are here because the hand of the Lord is on you. I'm not talking about predestination. I'm not talking about God just planning your life out. I'm saying this. If you don't ever walk out of Egypt, you never experience the Red Sea. Are you with me? This story smashes predestination, in my opinion. If you, if you refuse the blood of the lamb, if you refuse the lamb, if you refuse that blood on the doorpost and the lintel, you'll never see the provision of God. So you, you have to make a decision at some point in your life, wherever he wants me to go, I'm going to go. But you need to walk in that knowing that this is not an afterthought of God. You may have just recently received your invitation to be a part of this church. Somebody may have just invited you recently, but I want to tell you this. God's been knocking on your door for a while. God's been drawing you to something deeper for a while. You may have just moved to this area, but the Lord knew you were coming here. The Lord knew what his plan was for your life. And I'm here to declare to you tonight that it feels so good to be right in the middle of the will of God. Now, I can't get stuck here, but I want to preach to you that the will of God sometimes is the scariest place to be. Standing there looking at the Red Sea, hearing the sound of horses and chariots and riders coming behind you, that's pretty intimidating. But they were in the will of God. We often believe God for the ministry of extraction. Can I break this down and teach for just a minute? We have the faith to believe that God can just draw us out of that thing, just lift us out. But God is trying to put the kind of faith in us that believes if he chooses not to pull us out of it, then he's going to take us. Oh, y'all help me preach right now. He doesn't have to take me out of trouble for me to believe that he can. But I do know this. Woo! If he never healed my body, I wouldn't know he was a healer. If he never delivered you, you wouldn't know he was a deliverer. But thanks be unto God. When you started walking his way, it became very apparent you've been on the mind of God for a while. God preserved you. God kept you. God put his hand on you. That's why you're here tonight. I'm not here to be a fear monger. I'm not here to cast fear on your spirit. But I want to tell you, truth be known, there's a lot of us that shouldn't even be here tonight. We ought to be six foot under the ground. But God kept his hand on us. And God preserved us. And God brought us to this place.
thank God he's got a plan. I said, thank God he's got a plan. Thank you, Lord, that your hand is on us tonight. Thank you, Lord, that your hand is on us tonight. Woo! Hekeo lobo shatalamahai. Of all the times that you could have been born in history, you were born for right now. That means you've got everything you need to make it. That means you've got everything you need to endure. That means you've got everything you need to be an overcomer. Now, I got to hurry. I got to get to where I'm going. But I want to tell you that there is so much power in this story. When you look at the world power that the Egyptians were at this time in history, they were literally the most powerful and intimidating military power in the whole world. As a matter of fact, it is believed and held fast that by many, many historians that it is because of the Egyptians that the wheel, the chariot with wheels was quite a technological advance that moved us even way, way later towards trains and automobiles and it's, it's pretty insane and, I, and, and the power of this story is that as you look at the Egyptians, oh man, I want to get this to y'all tonight so bad. As you look at the Egyptians, they had everything they needed to succeed. They had the manpower. They had the horsepower, literally. They had chariots. They were the fastest army in the world because every other army in the world, at least that we can tell for the majority, let's say that word majority, of armies that were left in the world at that time, any people were armies on foot. But the Egyptian army was an army in chariot. That meant they could outrun anybody and nobody could outrun them. They were postured to overcome what they just had to let go. Lord, I'm preaching right now. When the Lord finally softened that Pharaoh's heart, folks, he didn't have any choice but to let those people go. One way or the other, God's people were leaving. Pharaoh said, all right, let them go. But now, it appears by all rights that everything Pharaoh needed to take them back, he had. 
but he was lacking one thing. If God be for us. I'm talking to somebody tonight that's looking at all the right stuff. You're turning around looking behind you and it looks like they've got everything they need to conquer you and everything the devil needs to destroy you and everything your past needs to hunt you down. But if God... And so when we, when we look and... Again, I could chase this trail all night, but anybody here still believe little is much when God is in it? Well, little is much when God is in it. How many of you like a little bluegrass tonight? Little is much when God is in it. And while there were some, I'm sure, it's not recorded, but there were some, I am certain, Because I've been around people long enough to know that people are people anywhere in the world. And I believe there were some people that when the enemy started pushing against them and Egypt was coming behind them trying to push them into the Red Sea, there was somebody snapping that head back and forth saying, it must be nice to have a chariot. It'd be nice if we had horses. Why did he do bring us out here? Because there wasn't enough graves in Egypt. That's Bible, folks. Brought us out here. Now here comes the fastest army. The most powerful army. We can't keep up. You know how much talking we do like that? Pastor, I just don't have what it takes to make it. You're right. As long as you talk like that, you're right. I just can't believe that God would bring us here and let them have all the victory. Come on now. There have been people way more spiritual than me and you that got frustrated when the evil people were prospering. Did King David not say it that my foot almost... He said, I have well not slipped. My feet, matter of fact, he said, my feet were almost gone. I just about threw in the towel when I looked at the enemy. I looked at wickedness, and it looked like they had the fastest chariots. Here we are, walking along in our Air Jesus's. Walking, walking, walking along over here in my hippie specials. And all I hear behind me is somebody that's got it way better than I do. All I hear is somebody that's got it way faster than I do. All I hear is somebody that's got it way more powerful than I do. And here I am. And there's a voice that says, son, take what you've got in your hand. They think they know what they can do with a chariot and a horse, but let me show them what I can do with a stick. Take now, therefore, the rod that is in thy hand. What's the story? I don't understand, Pastor. What are you getting to? I'm saying God did more with a stick 
than they could do with an army. Whatever you got in your hands, it may not feel like it's enough, but little is much. When God is in it, and if God is on your side, what you've got is enough. What you've got is enough. So he stretches forth that rod. Did you feel that? What, what was that? Hair started blowing. Stuff starts blowing off of people's donkeys that they didn't like. They're picking up jewels off the ground that God intentionally let them take off of the Egyptians. They're despising it because they're having to stop and pick it all up. And the Lord's saying, just be patient because I'm going to use every bit of that gold right there to build me a house. I'm going to use every one of them jewels and diamonds that you brought out. And we're going to build a house for God. But you got to be patient. Don't you start hating the wind when it's blowing. How inconvenient is this? Lord, I've come to preach on Wednesday night. How terrible is this? The enemy's behind us. All hell's breaking loose. And now the Lord's going to send a storm. Wait just a second, sweetheart. That storm that's brewing is the storm that's about to part the waters in your life. Don't you start hating the wind. Because God's about to use that wind to divide the very thing that you felt like was going to conquer you. How do you know all that, Pastor? It's right up there on that screen. I want somebody to read that screen to me right now. And don't you ever forget it. God always has a plan. You may not feel like he's got one right now, but I promise you he's working on it. We sing it around here sometimes even when I can't see it. He's working. Even when I don't feel it. Well, you're right, Pastor. He's always got a plan for somebody else. But I don't think he's got one for me. I just don't know if my day will ever come. Your day's coming, all right. There's going to be a day that comes that you either watch him deliver you or you watch him deliver everybody else that kept on believing. But one way or the other, you will be convinced. The devil's going to be convinced. The third of the angels that were cast down from heaven is going to be convinced. Every atheist in the world is going to be convinced. Every global leader is going to be convinced. Every king, every queen, every president, every prelate, every prime minister, every leader is going to be convinced. God always has a plan. Pharaoh, you're about to be convinced, sir, that God has a plan. I've come to tell the rulers of this world, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. God always. Yeah, I'm re- I, I, I read the reports. I try not to read many of them. I read them. I know where we're at. I'm seeing it. You'd have to be blind, deaf, and dumb and still choose not to see it. See where we're at right now. 
I know. I try to watch my money. I listen to economic advisors. I hear what they're saying. I, hey, you know what? It's tough times in the earth right now. People trying to stretch a dollar. I, I, I started to tell somebody the other day, I walked by him, I pat him on the shoulder. I said, man, you look like a million bucks. I said, well, not with inflation, but you look pretty good. You're worth a couple hundred grand. You're looking all right. I'm going to tell you, you can spend all your time looking this way. Look at all this. Look at everything that's coming against us. Look at everything the enemy's trying to push up. Hey, I'm going to let y'all in on secrets tonight. I know we're streaming online, but please don't tell nobody else, okay? God's not scared. <laughs> I'm going to surprise you. God's not afraid at all. God is not caught off guard at all. Because God always... He always has a plan. And so the children of Israel, water parts, they're walking down through there. I read one article years and years ago. I probably referenced it in this church. I read an article many, many years ago. It was talking about, I couldn't even tell you the source where it was. I, I preached it a long, long time ago. But they were talking about the way the landscape is under the water of the Red Sea. Uh, Brother Joe Nelson, Dr. Joe Nelson from Parkersburg, West Virginia, had actually even gone over, apostolic preacher, dear friend of our family for years, had gone over and done some diving in the Red Sea. He was with some archaeologists and researchers. He's a, he's a Jewish man and apostolic preacher. And they said the interesting thing about the Red Sea is that there are low points, there are valleys, low points underneath the water that are lower than the highest mountain in the region. That if the waters were to part completely and you could see that there are valleys that are deeper than the highest mountain in the region. And so all I'm saying to you, if that be true, and I believe it is, that even while they're walking in their miracle, they had highs and they had lows. But God was with them. They could look, the Bible said, to their right and they could see a wall of water. They could look to their left and see a wall of water. And that right there was what they needed to know. He's still with us. There's always going to be fear and trepidation, but what if it closes in? Listen, we got to stop asking questions like that. What if it don't? And what if he just brings you right on through? And what if you come out on the other side with a tambourine, dancing, shouting, giving God praise because of everything that he's done? Here's what I, here's what I believe. If he brought us this far... Nobody, nobody's going to help me preach tonight. I said, if he brought us this far, he's going to lead us out. Wind blows, dries out the dirt. He said they walked on dry ground. 
If you look at the root of this, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily insinuate that it's chalky, dusty. It just says that it's dry. The insinuation here is that they weren't walking through any water. Does that make sense? It doesn't mean that it turned to an old dusty road where a sandstorm's going to happen, but it, it means he dried it out for him. But can I tell you about the rest of this idea, this miracle? It's so powerful. I'm almost done. This dry ground that they walked on, you know, the underprivileged people that were walking, not not riding chariots, the, the walkers. This dry ground, they walked through on their feet. God kept his hand on them. They felt less fortunate, but I guess if this is all the Lord has for us, I'll never get my chariot, but praise the Lord. But let me tell you, this miracle they were walking on, it was strong enough to support the feet of men. But you know what? It wasn't strong enough to support. It was just muddy enough that your Bible said it couldn't support the chariot. The most powerful army in the world, the fastest army in the world, and the word of the Lord shows us implicitly what happened, that the weight of that chariot, as they come riding in saying, we've got them right where we want them, Lord, I'm preaching right now. They came riding in fast as lightning, we've got them right where we want them, they'll never outrun us. Look at, here they go, walking right across there, less fortunate. Walking on their little old feet, getting bunions. Come on, baby, you can make it. And here comes the enemy. We got them right where we're going to overtake them. As the children of Israel start walking out, the Egyptians start riding in, and they realize there was something supporting them that can't support you. And the Bible said that the Lord made the wheels start coming off their chariots. They got sunk up in the mud, and their wheels started coming off. Can I tell somebody in the Holy Ghost tonight that God's about to make the wheels come off this thing that's been chasing you? I've come to encourage somebody in the Holy Ghost tonight. You keep on walking, because God's put enough strength there to support you. But when the enemy comes in like a flood, woo! The Spirit of the Lord is going to lift up a standard and the wheels are coming off. I close with this tonight. The Egyptians thought they had a plan with their speed, their energy, their power. But the Lord said, I've got a better plan than that. I know the weight of every single chariot. And I know the weight of every single rider. I want you to think about this right now. The Lord knew how heavy every single chariot was. And he knew how heavy those people were that were walking. And the Lord, when the wind blew, go ahead and get you a computer model of this right here now. The Lord knew just how firm to make it for them to make it through. And just how soft to leave it for the enemy to fall in. I wish somebody get this in your spirit right now. 
He's the greatest record keeper there's ever been. He knows how much that chariot weighs and he knows how heavy your burdens are. He knows the number of hairs that's on your head and he knows the trial you're in right now. He knows how heavy every step is, but he is a God of sweet deliverance and he always has a plan. Let's stand together tonight. <laughs> it may not excite you like it does me. But the Lord let that wind blow just enough. Just enough to make it hard enough to walk. Soft enough to sink. He's got a plan. He's going to work it out. And he's working it out for my good. Even when it feels like the enemy's got the upper hand, the Lord's taking measurements of how heavy that chariot is. And he knows just how much to send that ruach and let it blow in. Woo! Anybody here tonight be up for a little wind blowing in your life? That word ruach not only means wind, but the first time we see it in, in Genesis 1 and 2, it is the word spirit. The spirit of God moved. So this is what I've come to preach to you in three minutes, right? This is my sermon tonight. We need to let the spirit take care of what the spirit can take care of. And we need to take care of what we can take care of. I've come to encourage you tonight. Keep on walking. And let the Spirit blow this thing through. God's got it. You believe that tonight? Come on, let's give Him thanks. Let's give Him great praise tonight. Come on, He's got a plan for you tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love and appreciate you, church. Thank God for you. Thank the Lord for what he's doing in your life.